0: Don't. Be afraid. Be
1: very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? Why do I say Because we got Holy
2: You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear. What scares us and what saves us, this is the fear of God. Hello (laughs) and welcome to your favorite podcast. At the intersection of faith and fear, where every single week we do the twist, do the twist, and we also discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And Reed was here, but he said he had to put the finishing touches on his dessert tower he's prepping for the party. I knew Reed was a social butterfly, but didn't know he had skills in the kitchen. I cannot wait. To try that, I'm sure he'll be back. While Reed tends to his treat, I do want to introduce and welcome back to the show, friend of the fog, quarterly queen, and mama to be Asia Swanson Truba. Asia, welcome, friend.
0: Hello. Very nice to be here as always. It's good to see you.
2: Yes, likewise. What's fun about your last name is I can just say it in funky ways and, and get away with whether I get it right mm-hmm. or not and exactly how it's pronounced, so... I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, thank you for that gift. Asia, real You're quick. welcome. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, uh, maybe see if Reed needs any assistance while I remind listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore, we don't explain. Mm-hmm. Except for right now, when I explain that you can find all things foggy at com. things such as, and especially, how to support us on Patreon. More on that momentarily, because who is this emerging from the fog but the one, the only
1: Reed? <laughs> hey. Oh, hey! i
2: have emerged i am upon yes. thee yes you are you are yeah <laughs> and that tower looks tasty mm-hmm. i'm excited um, yeah
3: see uh you chose to go with a uh a, a servant reference but oh, i didn't have right. anything fun for servant, so i just figured i'd go back to the village
2: so, so instead of yes anding me, you you said no mm-hmm. you yeah. did not follow
3: <laughs> i was wanting i was improv. wanting it no 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 i was wanting it to feel like our old days you know so that was
2: that was why when I did you that. just yeah. were like not listening <laughs> how does it feel how does it feel i would address this to Reed, but he doesn't it doesn't get through so asia i've got some quick business we need to attend to before we get to our main discussions for today one listener if you're finding us for the first time today welcome and know that you have caught us having a grand old time in the middle of our current series shamalamarama uh, Asia, I am anxiously awaiting you and your husband doing the twist via video and submitting that for us. So I'm going to put you on the spot right there. It'll it'll be just perfect. Uh, we are doing the twist <laughs> and the fear of God here all across the catalog of director M. Night Shyamalan. Today's conversation will feature a discussion of Apple TV plus series Servant, specifically the last four episodes of season one, and will also be going back to the village In a first ever, for the fear of God, a redux episode. It's a chance to revisit films we've discussed before with fresher eyes, quite literally, as I got LASIK last week, what do you know? And new friends, such as Asia, who is joining us for that discussion. So that is business point number one. Business point number two is, surprise, we relaunched the Fog merch store. If you go to the website and click the link on the banner to go purchase said merch, you will notice we've got not just refreshed forum wherein you can purchase these things, but a brand new uh refreshed for 2023 It's Alive t-shirt art from Jacob Hunt. Uh as well. This is just fun, Asia. If you can access a browser while you're sitting here, you should go look at this. We also have Shamma Lama Rama do the twist t-shirts. Yes. <laughs> a first ever Adorable. series, isn't it? A first ever series specific t-shirt is up in the shop. You can get that shirt today for 10% off using promo code twist. If you're a patron, we'll post a code to the feed for you for 20% off your whole order. Look at us. Look at us. Number three on the business points list. We have a happy hour horror hangout coming up. Asia, can you say happy hour horror hangout? Wow. Happy
0: hour horror hangout.
2: Very good. Uh, And these (laughs) events are exactly what they sound like low key online hangouts with your foggy pals 4 H's are a great way to connect with our super thoughtful community of horror fans to participate. You just, that's right. Have to be a patron and then mark your calendars for Sunday, June 4th. Here it is everyone. June 4th, Sunday (laughs) at 2 PM Eastern standard time. Okay. As the name of the event states, come hang out very last business note for today related to the others is put simply, hey, join Patreon. Constant listener, if you enjoy the fear of God, benefits of being a patron include longer episodes featuring bonus content like today's segment featuring Apple TV Plus' Series Servant. It's also how you can participate in online events such as Fogoween each October and the aforementioned Happy Hour Horror Hangouts. But when you join Patreon, it benefits the show as well, growing our capacity to do more, to sound better, to reach more listeners, to basically be the best Fog we can be, with your help playing a significant role. That is enough business for now uh can wow. you tell i had a sales call before this i, Reed, can. I can asia Felt do you it. wanna do the twist at the shamalamarama <laughs> yes awesome if so <laughs> let's twist our way into a patron segment featuring the apple tv plus series servant for our patrons and fyi we'll pop back out to talk a little bit more about a uh, a season one roundup and then we mm-hmm. shall adorn, adorn ourselves in the safe color as we discuss.
1: Filch. Do
3: the twist, do the twist, do the twist. Shamalamarama, do the twist, do the twist, do the twist. Shamalamarama, do the twist, do the twist,
2: do twist. the twist. Shamalamarama. Ooh. So, about this
3: season. So, I'm going to piggyback on something if you don't mind. Normally, I would defer to our guest, and I am about to do so forthwith. But uh, inside the patron segment, Nathan, uh, and uh, you and Asia were both talking about it. Listeners, if you want to know what we're talking about, uh, jo- come and consider joining us on Patreon. But um, inside there, you were discussing uh, about Leanne and specifically the way that she is towards Dorothy in this season after she finds out how jericho died a couple of things i want to note one thing that the show doesn't give us and this is maybe a couple of inches of defense of leanne i don't really have much defense for leanne but one thing that we don't know is we don't know how natalie presented the information to her the the show let us discover by showing us a flashback of exactly what was told. But what we know is that that's how Leanne found out. And Natalie, who's a character, I'm ultimately like she's fine, but she's notably very abrasive and is, uh, is kind of uh, though uh, a therapist uh, and, and somebody who's uh, perhaps should have a pretty strong hold on tactfulness and, and bedside manner and everything like that. Uh, you get the sense from her engaging that conversation with Leanne, which again, we don't get to hear, but you get the sense from her engaging that conversation with Leanne, where she's going, to, you know, don't you know what happened? Don't, you know, didn't you hear? And I think in my mind, I was like, was it framed in a way that is very, you know, backwards towards Dorothy? Because certainly the way Sean described it is very different than perhaps how Natalie would have described it. I didn't get the sense from that scene that Natalie would have inbe- in in endowed care compassion to the choice because she's very heightened in that moment and I wondered a little bit if that partially framed it but the other thing that that I think should be noted about Leanne and this is not in Leanne's defense it's 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 firmly kind of leaning towards like Leanne might be the villain of this piece (laughs) like is the abject cruelty that she displays towards Dorothy in in that end of season um We've seen that she has some secrets. We've seen that there's some things about her that are a little off. But to put a person, any person, through a, uh, a version of gaslighting, like a version of crazy making, where you are orchestrating things that are directly connected to their most traumatic occurrence of recent years, probably of their whole life, Um, by tormenting and throwing it in their face without communicating to them about it, merely transacting it and then just hoarding it over them. That is one of the, in my estimation, it is one of the most cruel things that you can do to a person to linger it over them without any version of context, without any version of confrontation. She confronts Sean, you know, like she, she verbalizes it. She's clearly sitting on some thoughts and some feelings, but that level of cruelty does not come from a good place, even if the, the the individual character we're looking at is capable of good and is is capable of benevolence, like to so quickly go to such a cruel, harsh place. Um, I think the show was telling us uh wherever they go with it from here and i have seen further in the show than than both of you have so i'll hold back so much of what i know but wherever they go from here i think the show is clearly indicating hey uh any sort of goodwill you had about leanne uh you might want to might want to set that to the side <laughs> she is uh, she's yeah she is <laughs> not a good person she is not uh a a figure of uh unending benevolence so anyway those are just some of my thoughts on that whole the Leanne-ness of it all um piggybacking on her choices towards the end asia i'm going to come to you for just a second uh well for however long you want uh give us a minute i've kind of foregone uh giving you an opportunity to show or tell how you encountered this show what you knew what you didn't we invited you obviously to watch the whole season one so you could join us for this but um what did you know about the show going into it did you have any interest had you seen any of it where were you at
0: Um, definitely interest. And there had been interest for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. but I had just not, um, committed fully to diving into it. My husband and I had actually seen the first episode probably, I don't know, maybe over a year, two years ago, we, Uh, we, what we started it a very, very long time ago and we're very interested in it, but I don't, I don't know if it was the pacing, or what exactly it was ab- about it that didn't quite propel us to keep, to keep viewing, but we, but we didn't initially. Mm. And so um, starting it from the very beginning again, with a little bit more intention for this episode, I was excited to get back into it because I knew that I, I knew I was going to like it. Mm. Um, and now I kind of had an excuse to just turn on that portion of my brain
3: Sure, sure.
0: So I, it it very much was everything I kind of could have hoped and dreamed that a show uh, dealing with this subject matter could be. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful. And I, I mean, my, I watched it with my husband since he had originally started it with me. And we both just flew through it. Uh, um, Yeah. And absolutely devoured it. Devoured season one, and we're we're both even on a little bit to season two right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool encountering a show like this when the whole thing exists at the ready. Mm. Um, mm. I I know offline giving giving Jackson Harper a little bit of love, like he keeps texting me. I think he's already into season three. Like he's he's very much like okay, <laughs> like I'm I'm on board. I you know I think this show is is really interesting. Um, and it kind of does that because the episodes are half hour. And they they kind of propel you into each other. It does feel like you're watching a long movie in chapters as opposed to other TV shows, which layer in, you know, individual episodes that you could hone in on and take as compartmentalized segments. This show doesn't quite lend itself as much to that. But the good news about that is that, yeah, the whole the whole show is available now. You can just you can just plow right through it. Um Nathan, uh, you have now completed season one, so I'm just going to invite, like, generally speaking, I know that, you know, we're watching the show together. You're committed. You're kind of being dragged along for the ride, whether you like it or not, but what are your, what are your general takeaways, uh, on, on the overall show now that you're a little bit into it? Uh, do they differ from where you began or have they been further reinforced with where the show has gone through the course of this season?
2: Um, no, I mean, I, I, am thoroughly enjoying it. And I, I believe I texted you at one point of just how much I was appreciating, at least where we're at currently. Um, what feels like pretty organic storytelling there, there, there isn't despite playing with some mysticism and, and, you know, the occult, uh, the deeper it goes, uh, which is evident by the end of this season, that's not a spoiler. Um, the truth of character choices is pretty strong. It's, there's very mm-hmm. little that currently feels overly forced or hackneyed or you know kind of contrived um i will i will admit to like there's no way around something like this whenever you introduce a scenario wherein mystical magical spiritual things happen around a mystical magical spiritual character like leanne you know it's gonna start scaling up um, if you're going to sustain it over the long haul. So, uh, you know, when it first uh, we we meet George and George's, uh, um, I'm not going to call him an interesting character in so far as like, I want to know more about him, but he, it's an interesting performance of a pretty sure. wackadoo character. And so from that standpoint is, is pretty watchable, but, uh, it is not enough of a speed bump to cause me to lose any sleep over my appreciation of the show. But, you know, once it broadens into, Oh, she's part of a cult and now they're back together. Like, okay whatever you know i mean I don't, it's not like i i don't actively love it i don't actively hate it um i don't totally know what else you might could have done that that you know sustains this without continuing to to build uh her um her world her, her previous world so yeah. you know I, I kind of appreciate about season one that now i'll ask asia this uh because reed would know a definitive answer Asia, do you feel, and I don't want to know a decisive one, Asia, do you feel like from season one, there's a definitive answer that Jericho, uh, Jericho two, right? Uh, current uh, living Jericho uh, is in fact Leanne's baby. Like, cause it clearly suggests that.
0: See, Where, uh, yeah. uh, go ahead.
2: Well, the reason I ask is one of the things I like is again, when like, I can I can have the stoutest of hearts and 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 thickest of skins when it comes to some of this storytelling, but you endeavor to craft a show centering on the loss of a baby and the presence of a new one. Like th- those are very delicate human emotions you are consciously toying with. Yeah. And so uh I didn't know how are they gonna explain this new when the show starts, how are they going to explain this new living baby? They make, they point to, uh, I think through Julian and Sean conversation that did she, is it hers that she's scuttled in here? So anyway, point being to my knowledge, that's the extent of season one's explanation of where this baby came from. Do you remember this at all, Asia?
0: Well, yeah, certainly, certainly do remember it. I struggled a lot and that's not a criticism of the piece, but I struggled a lot to try to figure out where the show was leading me, if the show was leading me, because to my my sensibilities initially were purely supernatural, and I saw the argument that the baby point two being hers was a total red herring. I just assumed that off the bat, I figured. You know, these two guys are trying to find naturalistic explanation for something that mm. to what I was seeing was I don't know about clearly supernatural, but again, because of like what we talked about earlier with the cricket and the dog, I was like, Okay, there's a trend of when Leanne is around, things don't stay dead when she leaves the house. Um, the doll comes back. Now Again, there are certain little details. I'm not sure I could point to which ones is super specifically, but certain details called my confidence in that theory into question later. Um,
2: so, are you? I, I guess are you su- are you suggesting that your thought was more either a this is perhaps an actual resurgent Jericho, uh, revived Jericho, or b something to the effect of you know taking the rosemary's baby uh path here this is a a a child born of evilness and cult and we're now trying to you know like is that what you were projecting is a mystical explanation for yes yes
0: very mystical explanation and most most of the time i was either thinking well because again they they hint at this very or not hint i feel like they almost kind of said it to some uh, extent and they could have been lying to the audience here too when george is is talking to Sean about you know why why do you still have this baby and he, and Sean is kind of grappling with I know I know this baby is mine like I mm, right. I can't remember the exact dialogue but he's even implanting the idea in Sean's mind whether you know falsely or not that this is you this is your baby this isn't just right, some right, baby right. that looks like your baby this is your baby mhm
2: What's really uh, Reed's, lo- Reed's, Reed's loving this right now is <laughs> I, I'm, having, I'm having a lot. The, omni- of fun. the omniscient narrator here <laughs> and and uh, to 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 remind
3: listeners, I think I've said this every episode so far, but to remind listeners, so where I am in the show, I've seen all of the first three seasons and the first couple of episodes of season four. I have not completed the show as a whole, but I know everything Which that is happens. Why I didn't
2: ask you the question. I know, I know.
3: <laughs> um, something that so so something that I am going to mention that does not uh, speak from forthcoming knowledge of narrative, but, but is, is rooted firmly in season one. What's interesting about that question is there are kind of three possibilities that the show toys with, um, the wildest of the possibilities is Jericho, the Jericho, the, the one that Dorothy gave birth to is back. That is the wildest of the, of the possibilities. Um, Possibility number two, perhaps no less wild, is somehow this reborn doll has become right. a a baby that that the mm. the power has has chosen to animate what was previously plastic and and some version of latex flesh and and made it alive. Um,
1: Which, the, not to
0: cut you off, but no, that theory is that theory is why the the Julian scene with the doll over the banister. That's why yeah. that's what so they're playing. Right. Because yeah. We all, to some extent, even if we generally were more in line with the idea of it being Leanne's baby, we all, to some extent noodled with the idea of the doll being animated, which is why yeah. that scene is so, is so daunting. So go yeah. ahead, but
3: no, 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 absolutely. And of course the third, which is interesting it's the most naturalistic explanation but i find it the least plausible in terms of practical logistics is that it is leanne's baby that she somehow smuggled in and only introduced to the family at the opportune moment as opposed to you know <laughs> you know you'd have to if if that was the road you were going down you'd have to buy that a living breathing baby that leanne gave birth to stayed completely silent for like 2 days <laughs> like that's what you'd have to buy because the first time that the baby cries is when Sean hears it. Hears it on
2: the monitor. On the monitor, you know.
3: And well, what's um, funny
2: about you saying that, Reed, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an Asia and cut you off here is that um uh, uh pull an Asia who pulls a me, really, let's be honest. Um is <laughs> I'm just getting manhandled by I beauty. Best. I'm just
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm gonna cook you, baby. Um uh and is is the show uh I did notice that the show pretty smartly for a show about a baby mm. they're pretty smart in knowing just don't don't think too hard about yes. whether <laughs> where and when this what's going on with this baby right this second right. while characters are talking it's like don't worry about that y'all yeah which could lend credence to the mystical you know sure uh sort of uh um path there but what is funny I, you know there's a world where someone could say nathan you're kind of dumb uh, I like to think I'm just very trusting uh, and receive stories as they're handed to me. But I really wasn't. You hear it on our old conversation last week in the patron segment when Reed talks about the cricket. I didn't catch that when it happened. Uh, and so I I was catching up to the mystical aspect. And even when the yeah. dog happens, I was like, huh, that's weird. But didn't overthink it because <laughs> because I hadn't seen the cricket. I'm not in the brain space for sure. mystical resurrection and so on and so forth. So I'm still operating in the, like, okay, well, what is the, huh? I mm-hmm. what's going on mm-hmm. the you know? Mm-hmm. So, so now that y'all are painting that broader picture, I just thought, damn, that's a quiet baby when she brings it to the first <laughs> time. And, and
1: <laughs> oh it's kind of like in, in like,
2: you know, lost when Claire's ha- Claire has her baby or in a quiet place the baby. Like mm-hmm. storytelling knows like cell phones. It's like, okay, you gotta be careful when you use this in a narrative because you yeah. gotta contend with or just ignore it. And and they kind of ignore it. So yeah. Anyway. I gotta, I gotta cite one. This is gonna probably feel a little bit like a hard pivot,
3: but we're talking all about this. You know, like there is the theory floated uh, as well that that doesn't go too very far, except in Julian and Sean's conversations, that Leanne has stolen a baby, that she has that she has kidnapped or taken another child, and another really awesome. I I loved this just. The, the 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 storyteller in me just sort of like, ooh, that was good. That was really good is when the police show up at their flat oh, in yeah. the final episode and they're like, hey, your <clears> name's <throat> been associated with a missing child and yeah. Sean is so freaked out. He's like, I don't even know what he's holding. Some version of like cork opener, wine opener or something. Yeah. But he is gripping that thing so hard that the blood is like pouring through his fingers and then you realize it's the child who had the doll, the amber right. lights that they were citing right. out to earlier. Just a child followed a crowd home from church but i was just like oh man that was a masterful bit of bait and switch narratively that i just i loved it so much but you know it's anyway.
2: funny about the uh, leon Stola baby theory i actually dismissed that pretty early because yeah. i just knew yeah. okay four seasons um that is a an extremely natural explanation that Are they really going to stretch that over four seasons? Which means if it gets curtailed early, well, then what's your story? We just have a nanny, you know, like that's, yeah, that's not a show. Um, (laughs) It was in the (laughs) nineties. Right. Right.
3: Well, and I feel like the show kind of encourages you to dismiss it by the fact that either that same episode, either later that same episode or the very next episode, Julian comes back and confirms nobody's looking like no, nobody is missing a child. And so, you know, I think by doing that, the show also encourages you to take that step. Like, oh yeah, sure, we we want you to know that we're aware of what's possible, and now we don't want you to think about it anymore. <laughs> you know, like right. Right. cast it to the side and 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 move on with things. Um, what I think is interesting, and I, I know we have uh, a, another film to to talk to, so maybe this will be a final button. I'll I'll invite if there's any other further thoughts on Servant Season One, then then please uh, introduce them after this. Um, but I, I do think the show has some interesting things. I'll say this: there is a tremendous amount of horror narrative, particularly in the last ten to fifteen years. In the last ten years, it is it is becoming almost a trope to say a horror film about grief or a horror film about loss. You know, like that is uh, is very commonplace in some films that I love, The Babadook, uh, Hereditary. Like, there's all kinds of films that wrestle with these kind of things in very deliberate and direct ways. Um what I appreciate about Servant is not that many dive directly into the numbing of pain and I feel like Servant deals very directly and intentionally with like the the numbness of grief the the numbing of pain. It's a it's it's an actual metaphorical analog in what's happening to Sean by by epi- by the season's end He's, you know, bringing his hand close to an open flame because he doesn't believe he can feel pain anymore. So there's there's that. He can't taste anything anymore. Um, They've introduced this reborn doll to to take the place of Jericho, not, you know, as a kind of a numbing agent so that Dorothy doesn't confront her pain. And I find that profoundly interesting. I don't have a lot of interesting things necessarily to say about it, except that I appreciate this show's willingness to tackle that that more specific aspect of grief that I think is too often not directly addressed in so many other horror pieces about grief. Um, talking about this kind of numbing effect that grief can sort of have where uh, I've heard it said elsewhere, I don't remember what book I read it in, but where it said like, numbness is actually not feeling any pain. It's like, it's like feeling everything. But because you're feeling everything, you're kind of overloaded. And so you uh, shut down a little bit. I find that very interesting. I don't know if that rings any resonance for either of you, but
0: I, I don't want to get too much into this because it'll, you know, we're, we're just not there at this point in the episode yet, but I mean, shoot, I feel like the two separate pieces that we're talking about today are very much dealing with the same thing, which is counterfeit, hmm. you know,
1: oh, wow. counter, yeah.
0: you know, counterfeit joy in order to escape honest sorrow. Hmm. And hmm. I, That, you know, that kind of just feels inescapable when you so directly put the two pieces next to each other. Yeah. Um, Because one of the quotes from the village is you can run from sorrow, but sorrow will always find you. It can smell you. And I think that somebody like Leanne so personifies, I don't necessarily understand why, but she, she can sense the in with this family yeah due to the grief and i i don't you know i don't know ultimately whether she was going to something and that she was trying to to find something for herself or if she was attracted to some of the grief or the darkness and felt that she could either help it or use it or manipulate it, or if she was running more or she was more running away from something. I don't know if she was going from something or to something at this mm-hmm. point of the story. Um, but there's such a, to me, like the overall theme that I kept coming back to in this was decay among beauty. Um, mm-hmm. And is, you know, layered physically with what has happened to jericho and yeah. even before the reborn doll is brought in is is ignored for a time for as long as it can be yeah and then there's also the mental aspect of that you know this mm. very polished put together professional woman who is having a psychotic break in yeah. multiple repeating ways um I'll, i'm just gonna toss that out and <laughs> yeah well
2: no, it's- i feel like you having invoked it you know this is this is a unique uh recording fear of god podcast for us episode for us because we are sort of tackling two uh tethered but disparate pieces here and and this feels as good a time as any to pivot that direction knowing we may thread some uh back towards uh you know something some sort of um synchronicity between the two so uh about this movie we're talking about today the village <laughs> this is this is extremely exciting to me uh and i want to very quickly uh in extremely didactic fashion uh just sort of uh for anyone who has not seen the village uh this is what I, apple movies summary says at first glance the village seems picture perfect but this close-knit community lives with the frightening knowledge the creatures reside in the surrounding woods The evil and foreboding force is so unnerving that none dare venture beyond the borders of the village and into the woods. But when curious, headstrong, Lucius Hunt, in all caps, plans to step beyond the boundaries of the town and into the unknown, his bold move threatens to forever change the future of a village. Um. (sighs) For any listeners right now, uh, uh, April 18th, 2017, you will find mine and Reed's very first conversation about the village, uh, as part of our springtime for Shyamalan series, uh, where we hit some high points that we are now revisiting the overall, uh, Canon, the, sh- the, sh- sh- what did we call it last week? Read the, the Shama Canon. The sh- 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 <laughs> we, we called it something. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we're back here with the village asia 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 asia
0: whoever there. i am yeah <laughs> you can call
2: me
0: anastasia too
2: a's a's watching um so i'm i'm we're coming at you here because what has excited me most about revisiting the village this go round is is kind of folding you into this conversation um you know had you seen the village before what did you think how did you <laughs> feel this time like what what was your experience with this movie? Um, you know, what, Reed and I will attempt to restrain ourselves from uh, uh, regurgitating what people could go hear, hence the citation there. Uh, but I did want to hear from you, like, what was your experience with this film previously? Uh, and, and what was it this go-round?
0: Yeah, so I I had seen the film before, but it had probably been a good 15 years since I saw it. I think I was <laughs> either in late middle school, early high school, when I when I watched it, um, if not, yeah, if yeah, about that time. And I was at a place in my own watching film development where I was very influenced by the people around me. And I was in a family who loved M. Night Shyamalan, really liked Signs and other films like that. But they were very disappointed with the village because they didn't like the plot twist. That was the general consensus in the family unit I was a part of.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I kind of just adopted that mindset.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so I saw it maybe a couple of times in somewhere in middle school and high school. And this viewing first time kind of as an adult many 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 years removed from that initial viewing experience. I friggin loved it. Like I, I appreciated the twist. I, I, I'm sure that that was buffered by already knowing it Mm
1: -hmm. to some
0: degree, but I was so moved in ways that Mm -hmm. I never would have come close to being, um, in, in a lesser mature season of my life. I I was totally totally moved, like to tears, a couple of moments in this viewing, and just very taken with the production and the performances and all of it. Just a very very good viewing experience.
2: That's awesome! Awesome, it is. It is. I'm gonna gonna try to read. Remind myself that you're here because I'm just gonna just run off. Oh, I'll barrel in. I'll cut you off if 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 I I, I have something. You know what? Doing. you know what you know what to do um <laughs> so I, I i just need because we we I, you know i feel like lady in the water tried to drown me i feel like <laughs> old tried to just you know uh waste me away um not an utter fan of those someone heretofore might be like <laughs> you know wow turn, turn in your Shamma fan card uh but what is astonishing to me about this movie is is despite it it is one in his oeuvre that I can readily name, see, utterly understand. It is it it honestly has some pretty bone-deep problems um in terms of its kind of messiness thematically, plausibility-wise, but I am such a just like, like what I wish for this movie, even though, like I just said, I kind of unashamedly love what it is, um, misshapen though it is, uh, is like what it tells me is, Dadgummit, what I I want is just a period, think like the witch, but an actual Mm. romance, right? Like, like Mm. deep, true, romantic lovely storyline that storyline is kind of uncorrupted but Mm. the surrounding thing is period and and genre right like Mm -hmm. that to me is where the village just soars if it does something expertly it's like when you think it's you know rooted in the 1800s uh it's just this really beautiful coming together of these two characters that you know some of what i i texted read on this this I don't know. I've seen this probably half a dozen times at this point. Like you can't not fall in love with Ivy Walker. Like I, oh. I challenge anyone to just find fault in this character. She's so lovely, so effervescent, uh, mm. and just you know. So uh, and you know it was. I I think did this was this after Gladiator. Read yes, this was after Gladiator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gladiator, Gladiator was two thousand one or so. Yeah. yeah. Um. But you know, uh, uh, Joaquin, this kind of terse. Hangdog kind of persona and just them finding each other. And these just beautiful grace notes of their connecting uh, that that's just very beautiful to me and what it gets right of the scary aspect too is incredibly strong. Um, mm-hmm. I will, I will add to this conversation what had not occurred uh, when last we discussed it. And that is I have since shown this kid, this kid shown this movie to my, two older children and on this particular rewatch um you know we we just kind of wept at all the places and just Mm freaking boohoo and by the end of it but the first time i showed it to them you know my oldest is my emotional one she's you know she gets that honestly uh and she's just kind of super weepy at the end of it well then i'm talking her through some of the story beats and articulating for her the the conceit of noah's presence at the end mm-hmm. and i said i said I don't, you know do you do you catch like he's just he thinks he's playing a game with his friend mm-hmm. and y'all it is like a waterfall fell out of her <laughs> eyes like she's like what? that makes it even worse <laughs> i like i know i know Hello. isn't it terrible mm-hmm. but it's so beautiful inside too um <laughs> so no I, you know just to 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 um, let my heart burst forth in terms of my affection and love for this movie. Again, it's, it's got some not insignificant problems, stuff that is pretty challenging for me to ignore ultimately, but uh, you know, not even buried in it, like very hard on its sleeve, beautiful, tender story, um, you know, and and then we can springboard into some slight didactics. Reed, did you have any sort of summary feelings Um, you wanted to reintroduce here for this viewing?
3: Yeah. I'll echo a lot of, of what you both have said, except that I will, I feel like the actual narrative twist deserves some like punching bag scenario. However, I feel like that is very insulated to what I consider to be an otherwise masterfully crafted film. Like, for instance, I actually don't think it's very messy thematically. I think it is perhaps one of his most cohesive in terms of theme. When you're talking about narrative and the plausibility of the narrative, that's uh, definitely you know problematic. But I was impressed this go round at how well the ideas in the movie all fit together in terms of confronting fear and bravery and and you know the power of uh, you know love and affection to be able to overcome some of those things. Like all of that is something that I do feel. Works together exceptionally well. This is his also like his best cast. Like he's he oh. he has a lot of great actors, but I mean like you, there is not a a uh, a weak link in this entire cast. Ever even friggin' Brendan Gleeson's two scenes. I'm like it's Brendan Gleeson, <laughs> you know? Like he's just he just delivers. Uh, and and everybody's everything is kind of firing at all cylinders. Roger Deakins cinematography. James Newton Howard's score. Oh my God, that score. Like just, just, oh man. So, so it just, it all works together really well. And Asia, you made, you made a comment that I think I do feel like first viewers of this film. If you encounter the twist of it in the moment, it's likely to like pull the rug out from under all of the wonderfulness that had come before. I feel like this is a film, perhaps ironically, that uh, is well served by knowing the conceit going into it because then if you know the conceit you can appreciate so many of the quieter more beautiful lovely tactful moments and some of the richest most imaginative displays of characterization that he's ever had in any of his films I mean it's arguable and I know because of that narrative twist other people will think this is this is probably awful but I mean like Honestly, it's hard for me not to put this second to Sixth Sense as maybe his best movie. I think six, Sixth Sense is is uh,
2: still his best film. Oh, it's objectively his best film.
3: But it is still difficult for me. Like I do love Signs. I know Unbreakable has like a lot of fans. But when I'm just looking at all of the puzzle pieces and the way they all fit together, this is this is up there. I mean, it, it, top three, if not second, for me. And I would I would make a more, uh, if I was among people who liked it less, I might make more of that case as it were. I know you both are very affectionate for it. So I won't bother with
2: that. Well, let me, let me real quick. So it doesn't feel like I was just being a jerk there. So annotation here is I was referencing, uh, an, an inversion of what happened to us six years, seven years ago, uh, which is I made a reference to the, the proximity of the village and the sixth sense and said something about, you know, I think sixth sense is better. And you were like, Oh, it's definitely better. And I was like, Oh, that's bro. funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was calling out there. So really ed- funny. Really editor's funny. note. Um yeah. now I do feel the need to ask you this, and Asia's here, and so I want all of us talking, and but you know uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, all of that. So what's curious to me is I actually when I say it's got problems, I'm not solely referring to the 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 it's it's uh, it's anachronistic, uh, mm-hmm. or, uh what I think and, and what I would sort of pro breed for you. You mm-hmm. just made a comment that actually surprised me, which is thinking its theme is pretty intact. I guess then mm-hmm. my question is, what do you in, in elevator pitch form, what's the theme? I think the theme is
3: that um, when you love deeply enough, you have the power at your fingertips to be able to overcome fear. Um, that, I think, is something that is, you know directly rooted in what the film is interested in um i think
2: go ahead go ahead
3: well i was just going to say i do think it is problematic philosophically what the the elders of this village have chosen to do i don't think that means the theme is 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 messy or anything i think their choice is problematic like oh so you're gonna you're gonna retreat from everything ivy and lucius are where the beating heart of this film is everything else is what's happening around them and I feel like Ivy and Lucius, particularly Ivy, um like just completely embody this notion of, yeah, sure we you know we don't have to be afraid, like we can feel afraid, but we don't have to be, and we can press forward in that and I think that shines a kind of a contrasting light against the choice that the elders have made, and i I think that works very well as a as a counterpoint dialogue um, inside the interior of the film I guess I just
2: I personally don't agree that the the theme of the film uh, um, I think a theme of the film, yes, is is love overcoming fear, and and this is mm-hmm. what a lot of characters talk about, and
0: yeah. this
2: is what Ivy and Lucius largely manifest. I think the film doesn't honor that with huh. how it ends uh, I, I think, and in fact, I was thinking about this today because I was like, okay. You know, it, it, up till now, I've, I've suggested, you know, massive overhauls of what about in Lady in the Water if we got, you know, flashbacks to the squints and the squints and the squirts over in the backstory, whatever, wow. you know, like, or in old, you know, hey, what if it, this were differently? My problem with the village that I can forgive because I love what I love about it so much is as annoying as the it's taking place in modern times sort of is. my main annoyance is our we have no reason to believe that love has actually overcome fear because Mm. the movie ends with the elders agreeing. We are going to continue this Ivy and Lucius are our chance for that. She knows no different than what she's only ever known because she encountered what she thinks is a beast in the woods. We're going to hold this truth uh, or this quote unquote truth. And so when I say what's a tweak I would make y'all, like my heart already breaks open wide for this movie. Imagine for a split second. the movie ends. Ivy has returned. Uh, uh, the, the elders have agreed to what they've agreed to. She enters the room, runs forward to Lucius, you know, sits down with him, sp- speaks softly, sweet nothings to him, stands still facing the camera and just says, "This must end." and then the movie's over. Hmm. Because I don't think the I I, I want you to be right i don't think the movie this is why i say it's messy is it thinks i think it thinks it's about love overcoming fear and the text of it is i think the the thread of it the the philosophical thematic thread is but we still get to have our lies, that will protect Mm -hmm. us from harm and sorrow asia what you think thoughts
0: (laughs) i think i have i think i have a bit of a combining view of both of your takes. Um, I would say, I think I would be more in agreement with Nathan in that. I would say the love conquering the fear is not the ultimate theme. I would say that that is a sub theme that they use as the catalyst vehicle Mm. to tell us the story that reflects the larger theme, which I ultimately took to come, I ultimately formulated what I think the theme is based on the original conversation when when the elders were deciding, I guess not deciding because Ivy's dad had already given her permission, but when they were all discussing what's gonna happen if she leaves. And then they all kind of wrap their minds around the fact that, you know, we we gave this a try and her father makes this impassioned speech about innocence. To me, the overarching theme in this film is innocence at the expense of truth. Mm. And I feel like that is, the theme I walk away with because I see that mirrored in so many different levels throughout the piece, not just in the deceit that the elders are perpetrating, but also in the presence of a character like Noah, Hmm. because they have crafted this seemingly idyllic world for themselves and their progeny. But even, you know, the absence of weaponry, the presence of a supposed, you know, good morality that everybody agrees upon, none of it could account for somebody like Noah, mm-hmm. whose innocence is part of what destroys it, right? Because there yeah. they put a supposed return to innocence through a counterfeit above the present, above the, the, the tangible truth, the re, the actual reality. And Noah is sort of this deeper core of what it looks like to actually live in a fantasy in this innocent fantasy understanding of reality without under without Acknowledgement or cognitive ability to understand how that's hurting everybody else. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot to, to no, put no, on, no. Of
3: course, on the so, movie
0: or to take out of it. But that that Noah to me, I don't, Noah to me is is one of the most fascinating characters I've seen in a mm-hmm. very very long time. So yeah. I I feel like he is he is so so important to at least to me understanding the piece.
3: Yeah. Well, I think, so it is undeniable, coming coming both of your directions a little bit, it is undeniable that the film ends, we've said this multiple times on the show, the way a film ends is what it wants you to think about. Like that's that's kind of the final beat that it wants to leave you with. The second to last beat of this film is the villagers all deciding that they have found a way to continue their life here. That is the second to last beat of the film, undeniable. Uh, that they have all decided to stand up and say, okay, we're going to give Noah a proper burial. We're going to build a narrative around the creature dying or the creature killing him. And that is going to be how we continue this on. That is not the final beat of the film. The final beat of the film is Ivy returning to Lucius and saying, I have returned. And I, I will admit that my take is something of interpretive, But the fact that we are left with Ivy and the reality that when Lucius restores to health, the man wanted to go out into the woods from the beginning. So the fact that Ivy and Lucius, Ivy, who now knows that it was a farce, even if there are other creatures out in the woods, she knows that the elders think. So she will know that what the elders are participating in is an absolute farce. Like she will know that she will know the elders are lying. She will confront that. I feel like I'm not going to go to the mat in terms of, hey, my idea is absolutely correct because I just i I feel like the final beat with all of the elders can't be ignored. But I also think that because we're left with Ivy as a result of her courage, having wandered there and back completely blind, I don't think it's as simple as the counterfeit will survive. I just don't, I think the the film maybe in an attempt to try to have its cake and eat it too gives us a little nugget of like, maybe they won't be able to continue this. And at least that's, my, that's part of my takeaway by having the final beat be that Ivy is back. Um, anyway, I sorry. agree
0: with that. I, I even wrote, I, I as well very much felt that if even if Ivy couldn't have enough visual context to start bringing things down, mm-hmm. Lucian would. Like he mm-hmm. he would be unstoppable. I totally agree with that.
3: Yeah. And I mean, like it, it is, it is great that he will be able to, you know, presumably survive. He's the, the medicine is presumably going to work. Um, and so that's something that, again, I, I do feel like the element of courage and the element of, of Ivy's affection, her, the, the purity of her love. I think that holds a profound sense of power in everything that the film is interested in. Um, the thing that I find problematic about their choice is that they are so willing to continue the counterfeit that they, that they want that um, instead of learning something from Ivy's courage, instead of learning something from, you know, the younger generation, they decide that they're going to continue to take the opportunity to entrench the old ways. Uh, That is super problematic. I, I, I cringed a little bit watching, watching it this time around, that uh Noah is a mentally ill character, and the the film basically says that he, you know, does some horrible things to animals and he stabs Lucius and everything. Like I don't think it's super generous to his character all of the time., um, and so that that also is a bit problematic. But I think, as I think we've all kind of said to some degree or not, the beating heart of the film, I think, beats so strongly in those other directions that it is significantly easier to, um let that win the day over the the more problematic elements which isn't always true for Shyamalan's films sometimes the the messier elements are the more are the most pervasive and are the largest of it but um
2: anyway that's that's my love for the village
0: I I don't oh I'm sorry go ahead I've talked you talk
2: okay (laughs) all I was gonna say is like I, I I'm not in this moment as um uh for my emotional engagement six Sense in the village are are pretty you know top of the heap uh yeah and, and so you know i say that to say like you know th- there are a few ways i could love this movie more but one of them would be uh if you are right reed and 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 that's meant to be a note of demolishing uh, uh the lie uh her, mm-hmm. pre- her mm-hmm. return I, I i'm not convinced that's the case uh based on you know just just the text I, i'm i'm I can be persuaded to optimism, uh, but it does, it does provoke in me, uh, uh, a patron segment of what's the sequel. <laughs> uh, and all I can oh, envision is, is uh, 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 Lucius and, and Ivy just, uh, at the, against the protestations of the elders bursting through the wall and, and it's a whole fish out of water tail and <laughs> Lucius and Ivy in 2007, <laughs> you know, rural Pennsylvania, like. <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> <That's so laughs> this thing, you know, whatever. Asia, oh, uh, what were you going to say?
0: Oh, I, I was kind of just jumping on what, what Reed had, had mentioned about um, the potentially, you know, problematic nature of, of how Noah was portrayed. But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the, just to a little bit of, I do agree with you that the the way that Noah was portrayed is very reductive in terms of, you know, how one yeah. explores, you know, the, the presentation of mental illness. Yeah. But at least for me, I don't know if, if you two felt this way or if other viewers would have felt this way. I still had almost no affection whatsoever lost for the character, um, even though I was angry with him and I was frustrated with him again, because I I do feel like so much of the film focuses on this notion of innocence. Yeah. Certainly in, in his handling of Lucian, you know, there was personal defensiveness yeah. involved in that action, obviously. Mm-hmm. But so much else of what he does, I couldn't help but feel, even if the film maybe didn't intend this. I couldn't help, but feel so like very charitable towards him. I have a lot yeah. of affection for his character, even though I'm very frustrated and angry with him a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was the character that kind of broke my heart the most, you know, when he's kind of in his own way, confessing to his mother, what he had done.
3: Yeah. The, yeah. his breakdown, huge applause to Adrian, Adrian Brody, his breakdown with the blood on his hands and and the bad color sequence. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's an incredible performance moment. Mm-hmm. And to you, to the point you're making Asia, it's, it's pretty profound for the character as well, that it, that it's not simple. It's not uh squeaky clean or easy. Um, I don't, I don't want to, uh, to, to, to beat a dead, those we don't speak of, but um, the one more thing that I did write down, I didn't take uh, my notes uh, for this entire conversation on the village consists of two quotes <laughs> only two quotes from the film uh one of them is when walker um is talking uh i believe he is talking to ivy at this point um he says the world moves for love it kneels before it in awe which i thought was
2: it's, just it's to the it's to the elders but it is a
3: great oh it's to the elders okay yes yeah yeah uh the the other thing that i wrote down is uh, a casual comment made to the elders by i had to look up the townsperson's name uh beatrice um and this is this is another thing again I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna beat this whole thing into submission but i think what the film is doing at least i picked up on it this time this is my takeaway from it i think what the film is doing is portraying two simultaneous approaches to overcoming fear one I love your invoked word earlier, Asia, retreat into counterfeit. Uh, So one approach to fear is we are going to retreat away into counterfeit. I think the other way is the way that Ivy and Lucius approach the whole subject. Lucius directly states, I don't worry about what will happen. I only worry about what must be done. You know, that's, that's his, you know, that's why he's not afraid when so many others are afraid but but ivy displays the same degree of courage and what beatrice says when she learns about ivy and lucius's engagement is she just says very simply love follows no, no rules and i think it is really kind of powerful that it presents this idea of like yeah you can you can try to retreat you can try to escape but i think the film even before that final moment pretty much proves That won't work because you will never be able to account like they secluded themselves into this village. And then here comes and and this is uh, important when Walker is talking to the elders and he says it was a crime. What happened to Lucius? He uses he uses the word crime in a very deliberate way to indicate like this wasn't an accident. It wasn't, you know, sickness. We don't have medicine for this was a crime. In other words, he could have just as easily said, this is the thing we ran away from. It has it has come here. This is why we all left. We left because we were trying to avoid crime coming in. And, and this is what has happened and it has happened in our midst. And I love Brendan Gleason. I don't know his, I don't remember his character's name in the moment, but I love his just almost shruggish resignation of if it ends, it ends. Like, yeah. right. you know, so if it ends, it ends. And I feel like, again, I, what I'm sympathetic to in your, in, in your, and the tension you're describing there, Nathan, is I don't think it's a clean, neat, easy path, but I think the film does enough work to portray the Ivy and Lucius philosophy and to display the flaws and the holes in what the elders have all done to make a good case that one of these things is going to be victorious and successful, and one of these paths will not be. And whether or not they continue to try on that path, it will continue to be more and more futile. Whereas Ivy, I'm going there y'all, here it is. This is the moment when Ivy, as the creatures are supposedly storming the village is like, Lucius is going to come check on me. And she believes that mm-hmm. so profoundly that she waits on the porch with her hand extended creature, like approaching the hand. I feel like that. I feel like the film is showing us that strength, that's power. That will, that will win. Like will win is a really clunky way to say that. But anyway, that's
2: that you know, six cents, moments in six cents might go to run for its money. That that is probably my favorite Shyamalan scene. Just period. That might, yeah. that's a favorite yeah. cinema scene. Um, yeah. Um yeah. just yeah. period. Uh the those those 30 seconds uh of waiting, mm-hmm. him grabbing them running in with this music swelling, the slow motion entry into the yeah, that's that's friggin' amazing. Um you know, read you 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 make a fair case uh uh i will say though still slightly unconvinced though mm-hmm. you can't carry it for me you can carry me and so i will permit you <laughs> to do that um you know <laughs> as i I ain't been dropping no eaves, what, What's so funny is I saw Asia throw that water bottle up. I was like, it, But I'm still gonna go for it. So you know, my apologies <laughs> if I uh, almost drowned you. You know, there you, the, our, our lady in the water. um So I, I, I want to let's do this <clears throat> before Shamia, before Fog Meter. Just name one thing. We're gonna go around. It can be a, that ain't right. Like categorically ignore categories. Like, what is one thing you just want to highlight? about this movie that can have some relatively quick lip service because it's so friggin good um uh, while you scan your lists we've all approached we've all at least pointed at various things i'm this is a maybe a surprising one because there's so many daggum good beautiful moments in this one of the most uh one that hasn't been pointed to so that's my criteria in this moment one of the most heart-wrenching moments in this movie is once Ivy has learned Lucius's hurt, is the walk across the meadow. And and Rice Dallas Howard's mm-hmm. performance here is just otherworldly of her counting her steps, right? Because this is mm-hmm. how she moves through this place. Ivy walking across the meadow counting her steps to Lucius, who's finding him. Lucius Hunt, you answer me right this moment. And and just it is yeah, like oh, yeah. you feel your your heart fall out of, of just what what might be occurring in this moment for these two characters mm-hmm. whom you love so much. So yeah. maybe an yeah. odd one to point to was trying to use the criteria of something that moves me that hadn't been mentioned yet. Uh Asia, we'll let you finish. Read what's what's one for you?
3: Well, I have I have certainly pointed to a lot. Um I think one thing that stands out to me a lot, um is the others will think i want to do this thing so i'm not going to do this thing like the 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 ways we hide certain things in our hearts um the whole exchange between walker which is william hurt's character and uh sigourney weaver's character uh i i should actually look up their character names but uh fundamentally like the clear affection that they hold for one another but they can't transact that affection uh for for some obvious reasons. Um and so because of that, um I just find it really compelling and really moving the the way that the affections of the heart can still sometimes drive um some uh some some pretty sensational things. Like I I really got to, in, in the spirit of what you said. It's a little heart-wrenching, but something that moves me greatly is after Lucius has been stabbed and Sigourney Weaver's character is in there just you know, boiling some cloths so that she can put them on him, you know, hopefully won't further the infection. But uh, so while she's there and Walker comes in to tell her that Ivy is going to go and he emphatically at least twice, I think maybe only twice, but at least twice says it is all I can give you. It's all I can give you. And she knows everything that he means in that moment. Like this is it. I'm acknowledging what you've probably suspected for a very long time. Yes, it's true, but this is as far as it's going to go. Is I will, you know, surrender my child to in a, in a quest to try to save yours. Um, I just that's again heart wrenching and, and and pretty beautiful. That would be my highlight. That's awesome. What about you, Asia?
0: I think in terms of moments, I've are, I've already talked about. I think the moments that really like struck and moved me the most and you guys have covered all the other ones that I could tag on but there i guess just an element of my own watching experience that i found very i think it, it that it swelled my affection for the piece is simply the fact that i was homeschooled and there are so many elements in this film that remind me of what a lot of well-intentioned but i happen to think sometimes you know misinformed homeschool parents try to do
1: Hmm.
0: with their children Um, and that level of relatability was very nostalgic for me even you know kind of awkward moments like Kitty's profession of love to this very (laughs) awkward boy (laughs) I know I have seen that happen I have i like i know girls like her who do, and i know guys like him i grew up with these people you know it's
1: <laughs> we can we can see it as this
0: very like wow what this otherworldly culture that these people have created it's like no no these are like These are Southwest Michigan homeschoolers. I I (laughs) grew up with these people. Okay. I know a ton of them. It's not that unusual, (laughs) you know, the courtship culture, the, the barn dances, the,
3: Oh my gosh.
0: This, the culture you, you know, you think, Oh, it's very different. You know, obviously physically, logistically, there are a lot of, you know, things we could question, but you know, how do you recreate this culture in the 21st century? It's, Mm People do it. (laughs) People do it. And there are kids that genuinely don't know any different way of life. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Obviously to not that extreme of an extent, but I think that that added a ton of, a ton of affection for the piece just because I've, I've seen micro micro version of that of return (laughs) to a better time and a better culture, whether or not it actually works that way.
3: I, I have to say yes. Anding you a bit there that like, hysterics every single time when she's just like thank you thank you thank you and then it, look, it pans back to oh, Joaquin Phoenix just standing there and then like it waits just the right amount of beat yeah. and then just pivots to her she's wailing, wailing. Oh, was so
1: funny.
3: <laughs> and, oh my god it is so so funny no I, I, I love it I love it um so I will say, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of running close on time. We have two quick things to get to before the end. Did, did anybody else have anything that they wanted to just throw out there? Just be like, hey, this, this, this or this? Either of you? This is, this is the village. Yeah. No? Okay. All right. We're about to leave the village. But first, before we leave it, we have to go. We're, it, it, this is Shyamalan Marama. Okay. And it's not an M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> film without the presence of the director himself. So ladies and gentlemen, this is time where we have to rate the shameo of this movie. Um, So M night Shyamalan plays a character in this film and we are going to rate and rank every one of these films uh, and his presence in them by screen time and plot relevance on a scale of one to five. So Asia, you are new to this. I'm going to normally I would defer uh, to the guest and let them go first, but since this is a kind of a new metric, we'll Nathan and I will go first and give you some time to think and put together your numbers. Uh, but on a scale of one to five, Nathan, what would you give old? Uh, g- give both of them uh, your rating for his screen time and plot relevance for the village.
2: You know, I think we gave "Letting the Water" all fives, right? Um, I, I, it's it's all relative, but I think. <laughs> Related to some of the lesser ones, this there's some presence here. It is focused and it is concentrated, but uh, it's not nothing. Um, so, you know, I, I'm I'm going to I, I will question this after this, but uh, I'm going to land at a three for screen time and okay. kind of pulling a Jackson on old. I think there's a world where this character we encounter is a bit more high up, uh, a bit more important to the operations mm. of the Walker Nature Preserve than just kind of a guy manning a station uh mm. and so I, i'll i'll rank uh, um plot relevance at a 4 believe it or not okay
3: all right all right no no oh, oh, i hear you um i'm going to i'm going to downgrade that a little bit for myself sure. i think in in terms of pure screen time i mean yeah it's not nothing he's very very present there for a good decent chunk of monologue there, but uh, uh, technically we only see him on screen through the reflection for a couple of seconds, but his voice is there. He's in the scene. Um, I'm going to land at a two for screen time for me. Um, I think, uh yeah it's it's not nothing it's it's more than some other ones there's some other films in his catalog that i know will be a one or maybe even a zero so that's the only reason i'm giving this like a two because it's not nothing plot relevance i really struggled with because it is a big gotcha narratively but you know it only plays into the theme as as a means as how it substantiates the narrative so for plot relevance i'm going to split the difference i'm going to go a three on plot relevance um so asia you're up uh, scale of zero to five, I guess, on Shyamalan's screen time in the village and his character's plot relevance to the village? What would you give it? Can
0: we do points? Like, can yes. I do a something, point something? So You sure can. I, I'm going to echo Nathan's three in terms of screen time. Um, and again, like like it was said already, it's very concentrated, but I also really like the creativity of it. I think the whole... Hmm oh, here's his cameo through the reflection in the mirror. I thought that was a very artful cameo. Ah, mm-hmm. So that kind of bumps it up in quality screen time, at least sure, in my mind. Sure. Yep. Um, and in terms of, plot, again, first time I saw it, I was like a tween who didn't really know what she was watching. <laughs> so like this viewing, it's like, oh, it's private property. It's the walkers. It's the family. Like I did not get any of that the first time. Mm-hmm. And his, I think what some might call maybe a little bit ham-handed, like, here, I'm going to exposit for the audience. I'm going to just give you, mm-hmm. serve you what you needed to hear. Um, yep. I, to me, that was very important for the mm-hmm. viewing, um, even if maybe it could have been done a little more artfully. So I'm going to give his plot resonance for, well, yeah, his plot relevance a 4.5.
3: All right. All right, and that means that we give this particular shamio a 3.25. We are we are going to rank these at the end of them and see like what is the most shamalan shamio of them all. Um so but uh but we give the village a 3.25. We didn't get to do this next thing. We're going to do it quickly, but we didn't get to do this next thing uh when we covered the village the first time, but we're going to give the village the fog meter treatment. Okay? Huh, look at that. And, yeah. And, yeah. And Asia, I will let you go first on this as our guest. You're well acquainted with the fog meter. The fog meter is how we rate these films on their gravity, not necessarily on their quality, but um, Asia, what would you give the village? Go ahead and give me your fear and your God measure.
0: Uh, just because I'm, I'm probably having like a pregnancy seizure. Does it go from one to 10? Why am I forgetting yes. how this no, even no, no, works? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. It's one to 10, no, no, right? Okay.
3: Yes. Yes. That's like
0: throwing to me. You're throwing me with the with the shameo. But um yeah. no, for me, gosh dang it. I knew what was happening and I was still just so gripped. Um mm-hmm. to me, fear, uh, just for the sake of brevity, I'll be quick about it, is probably I'm gonna say a six point five. Okay. Um and in terms of God, the thematic elements, I feel like is so rich and I could I could talk about the themes and all of that for a very, very long time. So I'm going to give that uh, an eight.
3: All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to let you finish us off because this is a film that you really, really love. I think it's debatable, which of us loves it the most. We both love it so much. Uh, I'm going to rattle off really quick. Fear for me is probably a five. Uh, I don't consider it a very scary movie, but what is at the heart of it is definitely uh, pretty visceral and affecting. God meter. I'm, I'm going to go nine. It's uh it's something that I really think resonates a lot with me. I think about some of its interior moments quite a bit and, uh, and I love it so much. And I love the way that it is about what it is about. So, uh so nine for me on the God meter, Nathan, bring us home. What's your fear and your God meter for the village?
2: Um, I'm going to give fear a seven because one, it's a movie about fear on its face. Uh, how we run from it, how we instill it, um, you know, Mm -hmm. how we can potentially combat it. Uh, but also, I mean, between things like the designs of those we don't speak of, um, I think there are some incredible jump scare sound cues in this that are very effective. Um, thinking specifically of uh, Ivy on the edge of, on the rim of the, um, the crater thing, uh, uh, and several others like it. Um, you know, if, if you, and i can even give myself over to it if you don't know what's going on i think this is a very suspenseful film yeah um and so from that standpoint uh uh, i'll rank it high um i'm going here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna rank theme on reeds the village kind of like or the village reeds version if i'm getting swifty um And from that standpoint, because I would like to think perhaps you are correct here. Uh, uh, I, I'm not 100% empirically convinced of it, but I'm I'm going to vote with my heart and not my head. Uh, and and yeah, I will give it I'm going to give it a nine for theme, uh, for God, because I do think uh, uh, the world moves for love. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there are a few more in the horror cinema canon. For me, there are a few more. Exemplars of romance storytelling, well done, than Ivy and Lucius, and and sort of what they signify and mean.
3: That's wonderful. Well, that means that we officially give M Night Shyamalan's The Village a seven and a half on the fog meter, and it's quite a that is quite a uh, a decent showing for it. I think it's fair to say we all recommend it. Yeah, we want people to see this movie. Yes, please go see this movie if you haven't seen it already. Um, and I don't even care that we've spoiled the ending because uh, it probably would be a better experience for you if you know the ending going into it. Um So Asia, I'm so happy that you were able to join us, not only for Servant Season 1, but for our Redux conversation on the village. This has been a whole lot of fun. Uh, Nathan, thank you for joining us as well. As always, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Next week, oh, brace yourselves, everybody, because uh, there is a knock at the door, a knock at the cabin, if you will. Next week, we are going to be, for the patrons, you should acquaint yourself with the first three episodes of Servant Season 2, because we will be going there for the patrons segment. And our main episode uh, will, if scheduling permits, we're going to have a couple of guests to join us for a big conversation around M. Not most recent film as of this recording, Knock, at The Cabin. Nathan, thank you again. Asia, thank you so much. Hope you both have a wonderful time, and listeners, we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation, and you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork. Also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
1: Hi, everybody.